You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is The James Altucher Show. So, Wally Green, second time on the podcast. The last time was like 2017. It was a long time ago. Yeah, it was very, very long. <laughs> so, you're a world-level ping-pong player, one of the best in the U.S. You've played in North Korea. You have, you've had the most outrageous story to get where you are. And right now we're in Israel together because my daughter is playing in something called the, the Maccabea games. You've been her coach before that you gave lessons to me. You've given you, you're a co-founder of spin, which has it's like a ping pong slash nightclub. that's all across the U S and everywhere we go, I see people talking to you. Why is everybody talking to you here? Like, and literally, we'll go downstairs to the hotel lobby, people come up to you and ask for your autograph, and they don't have no idea who you are. On the one hand, I think, and this is no slight against Israel, of course, but I do think you might be the only black person in all of the country, um, that, or, or the, the few that I've seen. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, during the opening ceremony, I actually made a funny video which said, I'm the only black guy in the whole 
Where were we at? It was the um. We were at a J- Jerusalem Stadium. The stadium. I was the only black guy in the you whole You and stadium. President Biden. Yeah. And me. We were all there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think maybe I look interesting. Maybe it's my hair. Some people uh do recognize me either from table tennis or from TikTok or just like yeah, the, you have a huge TikTok audience, and you have some great advice about how to build a TikTok thing. You've also given me great advice about just competition and how to be in your A game, whether it's, you know, business or sports or whatever, giving me some advice on that. Of course, you've had a, an incredible background from childhood on. I still don't think I know the whole story of, like, I think you told me some things, but not all the things in the last, like five years ago, we did a podcast. I don't think you told me everything then for some reason. I, I told you most of the stuff. <laughs> like, I don't even think you've told me about the Germany and the Africa stuff. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the Africa stuff we didn't talk about. So let's talk background, and then I need advice from you. I've known you for a long time. I need advice. I, this, I've been trying to find someone to ask this advice to, so I, uh, I'm going to ask you advice towards the end. And I want to uh, build up my TikTok audience. So anyone listening wants to build TikToks, you've done a great job. But, like, where, where are you from, first off? Originally uh, born in Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, New York? Yeah. Like, in the, in, in the nice upper class area, or no, def, definitely not. <laughs> so far from that, I, I grew up. I grew up in the projects and Marble Projects of Brooklyn, so um, definitely was not a nice area. I mean, it's nicer now, but uh, it was definitely not a nice area. All right, this is a, a dumb question, but what is a project? And like, uh, I know a project is for lower income people to have subsidized housing, yeah. and I guess it started in the '60s. And they built all these buildings. They're the ugliest buildings in New York City. And they're up all over the place, particularly in Brooklyn or in the Lower East Side and, and, and a couple couple places like in East Harlem. But what is it? How did your parents get there? Oh, man, I don't even know. I, um, it's definitely a, a place where lower income people live. Rent is usually very cheap. So like maybe you have a two-bedroom apartment. It will cost you like $200. And the government pays the other half. If there is something- Who do they pay though? Is it like- I, I'm not sure. Who's the landlord? But I, I think, I, I don't, I'm not sure, but I, I think, I actually don't even know where or how they pay it, but um, I'm sure rent is not $200 for the two bedroom. Yeah. Has, somebody has to pay. So in New York City, like the average, I think this is average for New York City. The average rent for a two bedroom apartment is like $8,000. something ridiculous. It's expensive. Yeah. And so um, the problem with the projects is, is that everyone is in the same boat. So it's not like you have someone who's making, you know, making good living and then you have someone who's uh, poor. No, everyone there is pretty much on the same level. So that's where a lot of the tensions come from and that's where a lot of the crime comes from. And that's why, uh, you know, the projects when I grew up was very dangerous because everyone is pretty much on the same level. Everyone doesn't have and everyone wants and everyone tries to find a way to get what they want by any means necessary. And so, I mean, when you were growing up, did you experience crime and violence there? Uh, all the time. I mean, growing, growing up as a kid, I grew up with uh, very heavy domestic violence. Like, my mom used to get beat up by my stepfather all the time. And uh, Where was your biological father? Oh, at that time, um, I, I knew him. And the only reason I knew my biological father was because when my stepfather didn't want me there anymore, my mom would, like, throw me away to my father. And then when my mom decided she wanted me, she would just randomly show up at school and just steal me away. So I knew my father because of that. But 
I don't have a, a recollection or any memory of my mom and my dad together ever. It, there's nothing in my memory. So I like, think, were they ever married or? Uh, I think they, I mean, I'm sure they were married. Actually, that's a funny question. Yeah, actually, like, how come you don't know the answer? No, 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 no. Actually, actually, that's a crazy question. You know why? Because my dad has children that are older than me, uh-huh. right? And they're children that are younger than me. And later on, I was like, how, does, how do I have stepbrothers and stepsisters that's older than me? if I'm the only child from my mom and my dad, and they're from the woman that he's married to before he passed. So it kind of doesn't make sense. It's weird. So I don't know, but you know, later on in life, I started to think about it. Well, maybe he was married and then, I don't know, somehow married my mom, had me, and then went back to the person that he was married to. But did you ever ask your mom or your dad like, hey, how did you guys meet? No, I never, you... never. I, I never, ever, I never, ever spoke about it. Like, Were you ever curious? I was always curious, but I wasn't allowed to talk about my dad in, when I was living with my mom. Yeah. Like, like, like my stepfather was an abusive narcissist, so I never could speak about my dad. How did your mom meet your stepdad? Uh, they must have met, maybe, I don't know. I think I was probably one or two, and that's why I can't remember. But my stepdad came from... Barbados. He's from the islands, and um, he was actually illiterate, right? So he couldn't read or write, but he had a skill, and he was a master carpenter. Like he could build anything, anything. Like really, like the highest level of carpentry you could have. That's how he was able to do well in life. But he couldn't read at all. Like he was very illiterate. So like whenever he liked to buy electronics, like stereo equipment. You know, nice cars like that, like that. Like that was his thing, you know. And it, it is after we moved from the projects, right? But he liked to buy things that you need to read to put together. So I was the one who used to read all the instructions. Mm. So I was, and I think that's why I hate reading instructions now. Oh, mm. I just came up with an epiphany. That's the that's got to be the like I hate reading instructions. So if I buy something, I don't, I don't want to read it. I just want to work on it. But when I was younger, I used to have to read all the instructions. And as a kid, reading instructions to put together. Uh, 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 audio interfaces. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's boring. It's like, but like, yeah, but like I said, he he got by because he was a master carpenter. And like, what did your mom do? Uh, my mom used to work for the government. Actually, she worked for the health department. When you remember, uh, they used to have offices on in, at Penn Station. So my mom used to work for the health department, and she worked that job like pretty much all her life until she got upset and just quit kind of crazy because I think she had, I don't know, I think she had just maybe a year left or and you like a pension to, to retire. Yeah, and she so, quit. So you mentioned you guys moved out of the projects is because your dad was doing- Stepfather. Or your stepfather was doing well? He was doing well. And then they eventually bought a house in Coney Island. Okay. Like, like near, like near Seagate, you know, like, like- Were you still living with them then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that time I was living with them even more. And what you mentioned, domestic violence, like yeah. that's sort of like this catch-all umbrella phrase, like who was, what was happening specifically? Like my stepfather used to beat up my mom, like punch her in the face, choke her, like they would argue and it would get physical, like physically violent. And now, of course, there's never any reason for that. Was was there anything that triggered him or was there like- um, He he had the belief that uh, he was the man of the house and the man was the king you know, all that uh, king of the castle type nonsense. So that's was his belief. So if you told my mom to do something, my mom was very actually opposite of that. 
So whenever we told my mom to do something, she wouldn't do it. Then he'd get angry. Then we start fighting. And my mom, when she gets angry, she lets you know. And then he, and like I said, he was illiterate. So my mom used to use these words. It was, oh, oh, man. <laughs> I just remember one of the words. I still don't even know what it means. I remember my mom used to get angry and they used to fight. And she was like, you dilapidated son of a bitch. What? 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 <laughs> like she would use these words that he couldn't understand. And it would make him even feel smaller as a man because my mom was very smart. She went to college, you know, she had a degree and he didn't have any of that. So when she would throw these words out in an argument, he would get really, really angry. And then he would try to hit her or, or choke her and stuff like that. I mean, how old were you when this stuff was going on? I was, I was a kid. It, it, it's been going on since, since I was a kid, like probably since I was two. Like it's, it, it's something that was always going on. Well, what would you do while they were fighting? So... I used to get really angry and really upset. And I always were trying to think of ways that I could kill him at a young age. It was always in my mind. Like I remember um, one time I was, I was opening the cabin. I had climbed up on the, on the, the kind of like a, a step stool and he had these pills that he, that he takes. I, I didn't even know what they were for, but um, we used to have roaches. Well, we were back in the projects and you know, you get roaches in the projects and then you use like a boric acid, it's like a powder that you pour on the edges of the walls that the roaches step in it, the boric acid eats their legs and they eventually die. And I was thinking of ways of how I could replace the stuff that was inside the capsules with the boric acid. And it's crazy because I was a kid with already mindsets of thinking this, even the old sock in the muffler thing that you see on TV, I thought a million times. Like, and this is after we moved, because we didn't have a car. It was a project after we moved of would that sock thing really work? Like, could you really take socks and put, he loved to sit in his car for hours. Like, could you really take socks and put it in a muffler and somehow lock the doors and the person would die? So these are all kinds Can of things. Can you do that? Does that work? I don't know. You see it on, you see it in movies, but I don't know if it really works in real life. And so again, like, would you ever get close to, Kind of getting in the middle, or did you just try any yeah, of these things? Or? So there was a time we didn't talk about this before, but there was a time where, when I was uh, fourteen, I got sent away to Africa for two years. So what triggered that? I got caught with a gun in school, and so because I got caught with a gun in school, and I had some other prior problems, uh, I was arrested, and they were talking about ten years. But this okay? This, wait, whoa, yeah. wait, wait, wait. Why did you have a gun? Like uh, whenever I get caught with a gun in school, <laughs> it was just because I was, it's like a hobby, but why? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, why did you get caught with a gun um, in school? Why did you have a so gun at there? 13, at 13, I already had six guns. So I was already, I was in a gang because I had two outlets when I was growing up with abuse because it wasn't only my mom being abused. It was also me, right? I used to get hit for no reason. I used to get punished for no reason. My stepfather would tell me every single day, you're going to be dead. You're going to be in jail. You're, you're never going to do anything with your life. And this was every day. This was like constant, constant, constant. Anytime if I would do something good, it would be shot down. So I had two outlets. The first outlet, you know, I was in a gang at an early age. So And and like, was it like, what does a gang do? Like, what did a gang recruit you or they sell drugs or like, what were they well, just fight other people and they're like all young kids? And Well, it became like a family. So like in the projects, they can be one gang from that one particular project. So there could be many gangs within the project. In my projects, it was like three or four different gangs, right? So you technically had to join one 
because if you didn't join one, you get beat up from all of them. Mm-hmm. So at least if you join one, that's your protection and it's your family. And, and you know, they, they did everything from selling drugs to all, all kinds of stuff. But each person level of what they did was different. Like I, I never got into the, into the drug side of that. Like I was never into selling drugs or, or any of that. So I did a lot of other stuff, but none of it was selling drugs. Like what? Cause you're like 12 years old at this time. Oh, or- like fighting a lot, a lot of fighting. Like gang versus gang. Yeah. A lot of gang versus gang fighting, or maybe, uh, one of your gang members, uh, had beef with someone else that we go jump that person. Or maybe one of your gang members had a fight that we go jump that person. You know, stuff like that. But and the, like to join a gang, is there? Is it like joining? Again, I'm, I apologize for all the stupid questions, but I'm yeah. being as naive as possible. Is there like a hazing that yeah. happens, or like what happens to join a gang? Yeah, there, there is, there is a. I won't say exactly what you had to do, but there is a something that we had to do in order to join the gang, and it was kind of inflicting serious harm to pretty much any individual. And uh, that was how you got it. Because you had to show that you were able to do whatever was necessary for your gang members. And if you couldn't do it to someone random or you couldn't do it, you wouldn't be able to be part of the gang. And not only that, you'd probably get beat up. So that's where people get caught. People get caught out there when they want to join the gang, right? So you figure, oh, I want to join this gang. Gang's okay, then you have to do this, right? But maybe it's something you really can't do. But the problem is... If you don't do it, you're gonna get, it's not like you say, oh, okay, thank you for your application, and then you go home. No, no, you're gonna get beat up badly. And what does that mean? Like, do they, they all start punching you? Like, yes, they every, kill you? Possibly. Like, you will get, you, you would get severely beat up. Like an, an arm broken, a rib Maybe, broken? Yes. Maybe even die. Like, it, it depends. Like, and so, and so it puts you in a position to where you may have wanted to join this gang. But at the same time, you're like, wait a minute, I don't want to do that. Were you afraid when right? they told you what you yeah, had to do? Yeah, of course, hundred percent, hundred percent. But but the thing is, now, what do you do? Do you not do it and potentially, you know, get killed, or do you just do it and live with it? So that's how people get caught into it. Because a lot of times, you know, once you hear what you got to do or the things that, so a lot of times, you know, you hear the word gang, people think. As a young kid, I want to be in a gang because they're going to protect me and this and that. But then when you actually hear what it really entails, then your mind says, no, I don't want to do this. But now you already made the commitment to doing what they ask you to do. And now you don't do it, then that's even worse. So now you have to do it. So now you just kind of like put yourself in the corner and yeah. Why did you need to have six guns? Oh, because I actually held the guns for other people in the gang. Mm. So other people- This way, because if you were caught- you were the, probably the youngest? Or I was what? the youngest. So I, I was, a, at the time, you don't realize it, but I was the one who was probably going to take the rap for other people's stuff. Right. So I, so I had to, at the time, you don't realize it. At the time, it's cool. You know, for a kid, you know, you got six guns in your house, you feel powerful. You're like, yeah, you know, nobody can mess with me. Now I'm holding the guns, you know. But in the reality of it is, they probably were looking for me to take the fall if something ever went really bad. Because probably you wouldn't get punished as Not much. as much, yeah. Yeah. And did you even know how to use a gun? No, I, you, you never learn. Like, it's funny because there's no shooting range for gangsters. Yeah. It's not like you go to the shooting range and you start shooting. And you can't practice, it makes noise. No, no, no. Oh, sometimes you can't because if you go to the bay, you know, like between Marlboro 
in Coney Island, there's a lot of bays. If you go to the bay, like right to the bay, you actually can't shoot. Yeah. I mean, no people here may hear it or not, but if you're like way, you know, down in the bay, you know, before police come, you know, so 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 we've done that before. We you know we go to the bay, you know, we shoot. Like some like, like sometimes and these guns are small, you know, like twenty twenty two calibers. And they're not really big. It's it's not like the crazy kids of today walking around with AR fifteens. Nobody had an AR fifteen. Where, where would you get that from? Like if you're fifty feet away from someone with a twenty two caliber gun and you aim, you're gonna miss. You're ninety nine point nine percent. You miss. Almost almost the listen the the shootings that we hear about, especially with the gang shootings, are usually close up. And even then, people miss. Look at 50 Cent, how many times he got shot. It's some crazy number. Not one bullet killed him because not one bullet hit him in the head. Yeah. Now, were they trying to kill him? Of course they were trying to kill him. Were they trying to shoot him in the head? Of course they were trying to shoot him in the head. But 90% of the time with the people who are shooting guns, they have no skill. So they're just shooting. But remember, the gun has kickback. So all these bullets are going everywhere, right? And that's why you hear these crazy stories. Yeah, I've been shot five times, I didn't die. So like if you were walking down the street and you saw, let's just say 10 feet away from you, someone with a gun, you know, who was, you think thought was looking to shoot you. Yeah. What would you do right then? Zigzag run. So it's just, like automatic, o -o automatic. Yeah. You just, you run like this. Nine times out of 10, you're not going to get hit. Unless, unless you just, unless you have bad luck, then you'll get, but nine times out of 10, they will miss you. And what if you're being mugged? So they're like kind of right in front of you and they're holding the gun out, but you could tell they're a little nervous or whatever, as someone would be. Like, what would you do? Uh, it depends. Like, it's happened to me already before. It, it, it's happened where I was- Because um, they tell people just comply and give your wallet and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, in most cases, yes. But it depends on the situation. And that's where like growing up in the projects comes into place. You know, that kind of- smarts, you can't learn this in school. So you have to reset. Like I had a situation where I was with a friend of mine, a close friend of mine, and we were walking, about five kids walked past us, and they all looked at us and we looked back at them. Then they walked about maybe 400 feet and they started coming back towards us. And I told my friend, I said, yo, I think something's about to go down. And we didn't have nothing on us at the time. We were just going somewhere. And um, they came back up to us and uh, my friend and I was standing there. We just stopped, we stand there. Right, because the worst thing to do is run, because they're gonna chase you. Mm. So you gotta hold your ground. So so we stopped. The kids came up to us, and the kids were like, "Oh, why are you grilling us? Meaning, why are you looking at us?" And then I said, "How would you know we're looking at you if you're not looking at us?" And it got to some really dumb just argument about looking at each other. It's the stupidest thing ever. But you know, when you're younger, it's like a serious thing. It got a little heated, and the kid pulled a gun and put it to my face. Right. So there's two things you can do. You can either Yo, my bad, my bad, which might get you shot anyway, right? Because once you start to like back down, then that could get you shot actually, right? People think if you just back down, you don't get shot. No, because now the person with the gun feels powerful and now you're a bitch, they might shoot you anyway. So the way I handled it was by staying firm, but not making him try to shoot. So what I said to him, I was like, what you gonna do with that? You know, so there I am, I'm still standing firm. You know, why you gotta pull out a gun for? What you gonna do with that? You gonna shoot me with that? You think that's worth it? Over what? You know, so I'm still in his face firm, 
But at the same time, I'm not saying stuff like, yo, you're a bitch, bro. You know, so I'm not talking tribes because I didn't get shot. Is there any way to kind of build middle ground? Like, hey, we all come from the same spot. Yeah, I mean, people, like sometimes people use that. Mm -hmm. So so in my case worked out, I knew the kid's brother. The kid's brother was doing like 10 years in jail. And uh, I knew the kid's brother because I used to run with his brother too. And then someone said my my name, which is my um, gang name, which I'm not gonna say. Uh, someone said, oh, that's so-and-so, your brother's friend. And then that's how this thing stopped. Because right? probably he doesn't want to shoot anyway. So this gives him right. an excuse. Excuse to not shoot, but yeah. at the same time, not look weak in front of his friend. Yeah. Right. But I remember the week after that, when I did have something, I remember I was at high school. I was in school and me and my friend were standing outside. We saw the kid. We saw him. And I was like, hey, my friend said, that's the kid from last week. And I said, no, it's, it's not. He's like, it is. And even me, I didn't want to, to uh, restart this problem. It was done. But I had to because my friend was there and I had to, I couldn't look weak. So we followed the kid to a store. He went into a store and I went to a store and I said, yo, I want to talk to you. And he remembered me. He wouldn't come out the store. He, really? No, he would not come out the store because, you know, you put a gun to someone's face and now someone's followed you somewhere randomly and just run up on you and say, I want to talk to you. You're not going to come out the store because, you know. And then I, I told him, I said, listen, nothing's going to happen to you, bro. I just want to talk to you. Just come out the store. And he didn't want to come out the store. And I was like, bro, just come out the store. Nothing's going to happen to you. And, and he came out the store. And I told him, I says, you remember last week you put a gun in my face? I was like, never put a gun in someone's face and don't use it. I said, right now I could kill you right here. Right here. I could kill you here. For, I, I, and I said, like, for what? For what? For, for staring at people? I was like, it's real stupid. And I told him, I says, so what do you want to do? You want to keep this beef? Or you want to squash it? And then he chose to squash it, and that was the end of it. But that's good. But that's how things happen, you know. Like I could have, I could have shot him there. And uh, and my, my my crazy friend, he's a he. This kid, he's really he See, he wanted to shoot him. Well, know? whatever happened to that kid, you know? So I, I didn't talk to him for a long time, but um, recently he's been like trying to contact me a little bit. So I do talk to him a little bit, but I just try not to make. I, I, I just talked to him as a distant friend because I, I just don't want to. Yeah. You know, I, 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 yeah. It says as a distant friend. Like, like, you know, so I do a lot of ghosting. I'll talk to him and then not talk to him for a while. And then maybe talk to him a little bit and not talk to him for a while. But uh, yeah, he's he's still around. But um, yeah, he, he wanted to shoot the guy. And I was like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically 
you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side-by-side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours. And they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see. You'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter, and I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Before we get into what happened when you got caught with all these guns in school, like obviously you've been through a lot of these types of experiences and we've talked about this before, uh, just hanging out, but obviously you build up some kind of, just like everybody does based on their background, you build skills and different types of intelligence and instincts based on your background and what your experiences are. And these are kind of like scary life and death experiences 
not only you had because of your stepdad, but because of the, your friends and these gangs and, and where you were living, like what can you see are the differences in your instincts between you and let's say other people like like me or like other people you see that you know, oh. you know, you know people from all walks yeah, yeah. of life. Yeah, it's all uh, it's it, it's really really different. Like like for me, anybody who's around me will tell you, I know what's going on around me all the time. I know the conversation that's maybe hundred feet from me. I always know what's going on. I can read an area well. I can read a room well. You know, you always hear about people a lot of times being in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's because a lot of people don't read what's going on. But I sort of feel like everybody thinks they're good. I always hear from everybody, oh, I'm really good judge of people. Now, I admit, actually, I am not such a great judge of people. I tend to be a little too trusting, and I, yeah. I don't know why that is. But has the, But why do you think you're really good at it? And I've seen examples where you're great at it. Like, why? Do, what, do you, what do you think it is? You know, and, and and also, how do you see, do you see specific differences between yourself and other people? Like, have there been situations where the other people were very wrong and it was obvious you were right? Well, because I don't trust anybody. Mm -hmm. I, it takes me a while to, I don't trust anybody. I, 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 I pretend like I trust people until I really trust them, but I don't trust anybody. I, I always take everything for what it is. And, and for me to trust them, like, I have to really feel the energy and vibe with them. But um, it's I'm, I can judge I judge people really well. Like I, I there's little certain things that people do that gives me so like the spidey sense. I get it like like what like like for example like the thing we spoke about yesterday. Like let's say you have someone that you're with. Maybe maybe it's a friend. It can even be a guy, a friend, and we're together in a group. And you come and you come and introduce your friend, and you know we're all together talking. But your friend is kind of like standoffish or, or by himself or, or not really paying attention to not making an attempt not making into paying not paying attention to what's going on with the room or with the conversation then i got a problem with that because that's just strange it's, that's that's like you know a lot of times people do that when they're trying to hide something or when they're there's something that they're thinking about that doesn't match with what we're about so people you'll see people do that if they don't like your friends. Let's say you have some friends and they don't like your friends, you'll see a lot of times that person will be kind of like standoffish and not really engage in the conversation or even listen to the conversation, right? They'll probably be doing something, maybe, maybe say they're on their phone the whole time, mm -hmm. right? And we're in a group, right? So, because they're not interested or they don't have nothing to do with it or they have something to hide that they don't want you to pick up. And I've been in situations like that where people are, hiding something you don't want you to pick up like i give you an example so the app clubhouse right people go in there and they talk the craziness of crazy things that they did oh yeah i'm the ceo of this or i did this or i did that or you know i'm this and that and that and this right so when i'm on the app i tell them i says listen i call on a club called spin in new york you live in new york yeah i live in new york why don't you come by and come have a drink very easy right you live in new york city See, it's not that hard to come by the club and they won't do it. They won't do it. Only the real ones do it. Why do you think they won't do it? Because they know that if they come and I meet them face to face, uh -huh. right, I'm going to tell that, oh, this guy's full of shit. Mm -hmm. And if I know they're full of shit, then that means they're thinking, well, if he finds out full of shit, then I'm on Clubhouse. I can say, hey, this guy's full of shit. I know because I met him. So they won't come. And if they never come, 
I can think whatever I want to think, but I have no proof. Right. So they won't come. They won't come meet me. It's it's crazy. I have a dude who like lives in my neighborhood, and he talks all this big things, all this big talk. I invited that dude a million times. He never came. He lives in my neighborhood, in my neighborhood, and the guy just talks so much, so much nonsense, and he's never came to meet me. I said. Hey, you should come to my club. You got free drinks, free food. Just come hang out. Who, who, who doesn't want free drinks, free food, right? Come. Dude never came, man. And it's me trying to call him up. And, and again, I feel like a lot of people automatically, I mean, it's like one of those things where nine out of 10 people think they're above average at judging people. Yeah. But I've seen you, like the situation we were talking about last night, where yeah. I was kind of drastically wrong about someone. Right. And you, it turned out in a very surprising way. Right were surprisingly right. And yep. it was a shocking thing. Yeah. And it's the level of like national security kind of shocking. It's crazy. And, uh, uh, but the, there's another thing I've seen you do though. Like one time we were going to another country and I saw you stopped at the airport. Everybody else is just getting through. Yeah. Like, and, and you were stopped uh, and they specifically called you out and, and, and they asked you, you know, what is the nature of your business here? And they, were, they weren't asking anyone else. They saw like a dozen people in a row go through and then they call you out for what could be said as an obvious reason that they did that. But you were kind of hard back. Like yeah. the way I am, if I'm in a situation like that, is I'm just gonna immediately comply, you know, yes, sir. Like, hey, I'm here for this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But you were hard back. You were like, why are you asking me? You like, you raise your voice, why are you asking me? And I would have been afraid to do that because then I thought it might've escalated the trouble. Right. But it feels like you know where to, push the edge. And maybe again, I'm being simplistic, like maybe you were stupid at doing that, but I kind of had a feeling you knew what you were doing. Right. Like you know where to push the edge. Right. It's, it's, it's very similar to, to what I mentioned before about with the kid with the gun in my face. Like it's, it's about not really backing down, standing your ground, but not escalating it at the same time. So it's, it's not being soft, but at the same time, not escalating that situation. So like with the kid with the gun in my face, I wasn't going to back down from him, right? But I also wasn't going to escalate it in a way that I would get shot. So the same thing with the lady from the immigration thing, whatever you want to call it, right? I wasn't going to back down. I wasn't going to be like, you know, no, why are you asking me? You know, because I know how far I can take something. What, 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 if, what if she said, are you causing trouble for me right now? And I would, I would have been like, well, yes, if you're causing trouble for me. That's been my exact answer. Yes, if you're causing trouble for me. Because I, I know at the end of the day, I didn't do anything wrong. And I see. The worst that can happen is what? You're going to have me question? Let's go. Let's do it. I don't mind. We can question all day long. And also, you probably have a sense like of, okay, this is this type of country. Like if you were going into North Korea and the same thing happened. Different story. Right. Now we, now we got and we'll get to story. that later because yeah. you've been to North Korea. But uh, now it's a different story because, yeah, North Korea said that you'll be arrested and no one would even know. Yeah. So in that case, it'd be a different story because I like like, like you have to know uh, uh, how far you can take something and 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 uh, and you know figure out well is it worth it is is you being right worth being arrested for fifteen years and no it's not but right. I know here there's nothing gonna happen to me right right because I didn't do anything and if something did happen to be a problem North Korea is a different story if something happened to you no one. No one would even know for a long time. And then it would be so hard for anyone to help you. Yeah. So those things I know. And then what about in competition? And, and we'll get more into this later because we're still 
we're still only at age 13 in your story where you're about to go to, to Africa and become the greatest ping pong player in history. But in competition, how do you think these instincts come into play? Because obviously there are people from different backgrounds who are great at competition and, and, and world champion level players like yourself. But like, how do you, how does this help you? These kind of instincts help you in competition? Well, it helps a lot in terms of not letting your opponent know how you feel. I think a lot of times in competition, you see a lot of athletes. You know, body language is really important in competition. It's so important. Like for example, let's say I'm playing someone and uh, I made a great point and the guy goes, ah, you know, and you see his, his face get down, that gives me more fuel because now I know uh, this. I got this guy. So like the really good athletes, if you look at their body language, it's hard to tell if this guy's happy, if this guy's sad. Is he angry he lost that point? Some athletes show it more than others. Like some athletes might get really upset if they lose a point, but that just gives feel to another athlete. Like when you get upset and you're playing, like someone gets upset when they're playing me, I get more confident. And and what does that do for you? Like what, how do you change your play in order to take advantage well, of that lack now, of confidence? Now, now I go on the attack mm -hmm. because if you're angry, and you're thinking about what happened in the last point, then it's hard for you to play the next point. So now, like in my sport and ping pong, now I say, oh, this guy's getting pissed off. Now I go on the attack and now I'm gonna attack you now. And now it's gonna be harder for you because now you're still dwelling on the last point and you're still angry, right? So you won't be able to concentrate as much. Or I might give you maybe some really tricky serve now, right? Mm -hmm. Or I might even look at you. Mm -hmm. I might even look at you and smile. Mm -hmm. People do this. Like, like ping pong is also very mentally strategic. Like there's a lot of things that we do. Like for example, before I served the ball, I might look at you. Like there was a guy who used to play for USA. He came from China. And this guy would give you four seconds of death stare. He did it to every single person. And he would just, before he served, he would hold the ball, he would look at you, just look into your eyes and just, and it was the weirdest thing ever because you're like, bro, why is this guy looking at me like this? And that's what he did, but that was a mental thing. Did it work for him? Yes, he always, he was, the, he was one of the best players. I sort of feel like, let's say, and maybe this is a different thing, but let's say I'm in a tournament playing chess and I just stare at the person on the other side. I sort of think he might be thinking, ah, this guy's a jerk, just about me. Right, but that's where it starts, uh -huh. right? The first part is instead of him thinking about what the next move is, he's thinking about why is this guy staring at me? So very, you took him a bit off his game because the only thing he should be thinking about is that next move. He shouldn't be caring what you're looking at. But the fact that that would be in his head, why is this guy staring at you? He's a jerk. You've already took him just a bit off what he's supposed to be doing, which is focusing on the next move. Yeah. So they, so they do it in, in, in ping pong a lot. Like people use all kinds of stuff. Like like the other day I was watching the matches and uh, one of the Britain kids was playing against the USA Junior I was coaching. And the USA Junior was winning. He was doing really well. And the Britain kid made a point and he went, oh, and he, and he put his hand in his fist and he looked, at, he looked at, at, at the kid I was coaching. Luckily, that doesn't bother that kid, which is, which is amazing because normally kids get rattled by that. But I could see in his face like, his face just did, it just did straight. Like it, it didn't show an emotion back towards what that kid from Great Britain was giving him. Yeah. And that made the Great Britain kid like a little bit uneasy because he played the next point and completely whiffed the ball. Uh. And then 
and death and death. See, that's the thing. It could backfire. It backfire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do that, and the other person like makes yes. face back at you or, yes, or does yes. nothing. Yes, and then he went for the next shot and missed. And then the junior American was coaching and said, Joe, in his face. And it was just so funny because, you know, he thought, but some kids, some people will work on. Like, like sometimes the whole point of doing that is to get you angry, right? When you're, when you're playing a sport and you're fist pumping in someone's face and you're looking at them and, yeah, I made this point, I'm good. It's actually saying, I made this point, you suck, you can't beat me. That's the language. So the person gets upset, right? Now you took them out of their game and now they're focused on trying to beat you because you made this uh, 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 stupid remark you try to make them look stupid instead of trying to beat you because they need to beat you at this sport. Right, so you have to really, if you're gonna do that, that's a risk. If you're gonna go like, yeah, yeah. that's a risk because it's so easy to backfire if someone's even modestly oh, yes. professional. Yes, because if, if let's say you, you make a point, you go, yeah, and you're really loud and the guy just rips the ball past you the next point, that kind of makes you look stupid. Yeah. Right, and, and now you have to go back to the drawing board and figure out how you're gonna do it. But, yeah, it makes you look stupid. So but I feel like with your, like you have a very kind of larger than life, you know, kind of style or character. And if you do it, it's going to throw people off. But if I do it, it definitely throws It definitely, it definitely. I played, I remember in 2002, it was, or 2001, 2002, I think. I played my first pro tour. I played German Open. And I got destroyed by everybody. I played, right after that, I played Dutch Open. I lost to England, got destroyed. I lost to Russia, got destroyed. Then I had to play China, right? China's the best in the world by far. So, of course, I was going to get destroyed. First game got destroyed, level one. Second game got destroyed, level two. Third game, I think it was like, I don't, I don't remember. No, I, actually, I think it was 2 0, right? Or was it 3 0 first? It was, I think it was 2 0 or 3. I don't remember. 2 or 3 0. And, uh, then uh, my friend who's from Germany uh, called Taima, and he said, come on, Wally, Wally, come on. You have to fight. You have to fight. And, and my friend's really funny because he's very fascinated about the whole gangster thing. Come on, Wally, you're a gangster. Po, po, po. Like this. It's very funny. So, you know, I went back to the table and I made a really fast serve that was an ace. And when I made the ace, I was like, yeah, that's it, baby. Come on. Come on. And I just flipped out. And... The kid that I was playing, he 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 was like, just what the what the he he just and then I did it again and he missed the second one. And I was up 2-0. It's Chinese. And the kid just started getting nervous because he's never seen, actually no one's never seen someone like me going crazy like that. Like I like it was a fight. And and um I was very loud and uh I was in his head and I won a game. So I took a game off of Chinese. Then I won the next game, right? So, oh, I think it was 2-0. It was 2-0. Then I won one game. Then it was 2-1. He won the next game very close. Then I won it, right? 2-1. Then I won the next game. So it's it's 3-2. And this is an American who just started playing pro against the Chinese. And he was so, so nervous and, and so out of his game because of what I was doing. And then I was 9-6. I was 9-6 up in the sixth game. And everyone was watching because it's crazy that this American guy from New York City is trying to beat Chinese player. And it was 9-6 up. And then I did the wrong thing. I, I said to myself, let me calm down. Because the, um, the Chinese coach called timeout. 
And Chinese coach was very upset that my German friend speaks fluent Chinese. And he was translating. And the Chinese coach said to the kid, he says, if you lose to this guy, I've never saw this guy anywhere in the world. If you lose to him, you will never play in this country ever again. Oh my gosh. He would, he, Kenzo was furious. And for me, you know, I always say, you know, now I say it, it's one of my lessons. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And I fixed something that was not broken. I, I, I was beating him mentally. And uh, my skill, of course, wasn't the same level. He was definitely way better than me. But in the mental department, he was by far below me. After the timeout, I figured, oh, I can win this, which was the wrong thing to do. Let me calm down and, and focus. And I lost the match, 11-9. Oh my gosh, so you didn't get a single point after that? No. I lost the match, 11-9. So, and, and now, so that's sports and that's ping pong. You've also been in like business situations and sales situations. When do you think these instincts, you know, come into play there? Um, I just think like, like in, 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 in the terms of like, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like that was a valuable lesson I learned. Like if something is working, continue to do it. Why change it? Why out of nowhere you decide to change it, right? Because, okay, can make it better? It's possible, right? But it's also possible that it could make it a lot worse, right? So now in life, you know, I always say, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like I see my students do it all the time. They do it all the time in a match. They'll be playing, they'll be doing something that works, that works, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, they try something new and then wind up losing the match because of it. I could see this happening like in a negotiating sense, like let's say in a business setting, you know, I've been in situations where someone wants to negotiate with me, like let's say buy a service or buy a company or whatever. And at first I'm all confident because they want something I have, but then as it gets close and I see the potential rewards, I get nervous and I start being more compliant to that. Yes, yeah. And then everything switches and it could be it could be over after that. Right, right, right. So that's important to kind of like stick to what what worked is is good advice. So okay, 13 years old, how did they catch you with the gun? Yeah, so so that's your 14. So um I was in school and uh I had it in my locker. And I, I think I think someone someone may be told. I I, I don't know. I, I'm sure someone told because I didn't have it on me when I got caught. It was in the locker. And the, they came to the class and uh, they said, oh, we, we, well, they said we found something in your locker because they couldn't, you know, I guess they didn't want to alarm the class. And then the principal took me out of the classroom and then we went and I already knew. I, I already knew. I already knew what it was. Like once they said that, I, I knew. Could you have said, oh, that must have been put in my locker I while mean, I was not there? I mean, I could have said that, but. I feel like that's like a, what a lawyer yeah, would say. Yeah, that that, that, that wasn't going to work. Because prints all over it. Yeah. And, um, police were there and, and got arrested. And um, they, they, you know, went through this stupid process. And um, the, the end result was, because I had prior problems already. I had a lot of problems as a kid with weapons, whether it's knives or guns or even smaller stuff. Well, it wasn't really small. Those could have been like felonies, like a lot of gang fighting, yeah, you know, stuff like that. Um, they wanted to, they, they were thinking about giving me 10 years. 10 years is crazy. Wait, 14 though, are they allowed to do that? Yeah, they can, they can give you from juvenile to adult. Mm -hmm. It's not like because you're juvenile, you, you're, you're like 17 and say, okay, yeah, he's got a gun, we just can only give him one year. No, it, it's, it's, whatever, it's whatever the law says for, for the crime. 
And um, so I always had good grades. So my other outlet, so the first outlet was the gang. The second outlet was sports. So I played every sport in school because I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to be home. Yeah. Right. I, I hated being home, you know, with all the abuse. So the other thing was sports. So I played every sport in school, every, everything I could play. I played because you know you got practice in the morning, practice at night, in the evening. By the time you get home, you're tired and numb to all the nonsense going on. So I just played sports, every sport, and I was good at every single sport. But the other problem was is that in order to stay on the team, you have to have good grades. If you have bad grades, then you couldn't be on the team. So I made sure I had good grades by having people do the work for me. Like if I needed an essay written, I had someone to do it. Like everything. I had someone to do. If I didn't have notes. How, how would you get someone to write your essay? Oh, I would tell them, hey, you know, I need to write this. People were scared of me in school. And they weren't scared of me. They were scared of the gang I was in. Huh. So, so people would do it. And it was sort of like, you know, yeah, if you help me, I help you. Hmm. If someone bothers you, you know, I got your back. So I had people doing a lot of my, a lot of my school, especially mathematics, all of it. Actually, all of it. Huh. Even, even through college. Even when I got to college, I, I don't think I ever... I think all my math, I think I cheated the whole way. I'm almost positive. Huh. Almost, I, 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 I don't like math. I hate math. And, and so all through life, I, anything that I didn't like, I had people do it. And um, that's how I kept my grades. So I had good grades in, in school. And so my mom used that as a way for me to not go to jail, but go to fucking boarding school. So was she talking to a judge? Was she talking yeah, to a judge, police? lawyer. Judge and lawyer, mm -hmm. and uh, and and they said that I have good grades, and if I was to do, you know, lengthy time as a kid, then I would be, I would um, what do you call it? Like my life would be ruined, which would be, and that's yeah, and that happens to a lot of kids. A lot of kids go do some dumb shit. They get five, six, seven, eight years, and after that, you're you're pretty much almost almost useless. I mean, you can't do anything. I mean. Because those are the most important times of your yeah. of, of, of your life, and so uh, my mom used this to uh, get a deal where I would go to boarding school in Africa. So I was supposed to go to board. So I went to boarding school. In Africa. And was it did what, did the judge agree to you could go to any boarding school or like it had to be out of the country or oh, I don't know. in Africa? Oh, they I I don't know how they came to to that thing, but uh, it was in Africa. Where, where in Africa? In Nigeria. So okay. So it was two years. How'd she years. find the school? Like what? Oh, so she has some um, family, friends that we do. And then my dad, family is, is originally from there as well. So she knew about it and stuff. And everyone always told her, oh man, you know, you need to send them to Africa. Everyone always says this. You need to send them there. They'll discipline them. You know, they'll, 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 they'll beat the good into him. That, that's, what, that's the exact words. Like they'll beat the good into him. So it all worked out some miraculous way. And I wound up going to Africa to boarding school. Were you excited about it? No, I hated it. I hated every minute of it. I didn't want to go there. But like before, the, oh, so before you went, you were like, yeah, I'm not going there. I was like, I don't want to go there. But would you have, I mean, you knew the choice was that or jail. In my mind, jail seemed better. Wow. Because in my mind, I was like, okay, you know, it's jail. I've been arrested a lot of times. Mm -hmm. You know, I never did time time. I've been arrested a lot of times, you know, but that seemed better than going to another country where I knew no one, I didn't know the language, I don't know anybody. And so I went there for two years. It was two years there. The first Did year- Did you come I, back at all during the two so years? So the first year I went, uh, I was supposed to come visit 
And I told him, I said, with my big mouth, I always had a big mouth, I can't wait to go back. I'm never coming back here. And they said, oh, yeah? They tore my ticket up. Wow. So I didn't get to come visit. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. So wait, so you land in Nigeria. Yeah. I guess the school picked you up picked somehow. You up. Yeah. And you get to the dormitory. It's a boarding school, so there's other kids who are living there. Yeah. Probably most of them are from Nigeria. From all of ours are Nigeria. All from Africa. So like all from all over, but but they're living there. And they all knew each other. And you're the new kid from America. What was like their first response to you? It was mixed. It, it was weird because like, because they're all African and I'm American. So... There's sort of like a racism kind of thing, you know, where where I was, they used to say this word, I can't remember how what the language was, but but it meant the kid who eats butter. Mm. So they would say, I eat butter because I'm soft. Or I wasn't the real black. That was another one. So, you know, I left America from fighting to go there to fight, to fight more. But at least the fighting there was safer. Like it wasn't like someone was gonna stab you or you were gonna get jumped. Like you never got jumped. No one ever jumped to you. It was, if you would fight someone, everyone was going to come out to watch and it was a fair fight. It was never two people, three, never. That never kind of thing. And this is what I don't understand. When you say fight, like, do people like, okay, they're, you're facing your opponent. Uh, maybe it was like the bully in school or someone would pick yeah. on you and he's like outside. And now you're facing him. Does he start off like, does he punch you in the face? Like what? Well, what's the fight like? Oh, no. So as soon if you're going to fight, you know, people are gonna come out and then watch, and you just start. Well, someone's gonna throw a first punch. Someone maybe not gonna throw a first punch. Maybe there's talking in the beginning a little bit, but a lot of times it's almost like a like looks like a cage fighting. It, but like, is there a skill level? Like, like do they know some things that you don't know? Because you were used to fighting with a gang behind you yeah. and maybe a knife or yeah. a weapon. No, no, you just throw them. You just throw them down, mm-hmm. wrestling, grabbing. No, I wrestled. I wrestled. Um, so did the wrestling must have helped? Yeah, 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 of course, because, you know, I, I know how to take people down. But uh, it, it didn't get to wrestling. It, it was a lot of punches, you know. And it's just fighting. And, and then after the fight, that was it. It, it wasn't like, yeah, I'm going to kill you tomorrow. No, no, it, it, was, it was it. If you got beat up, so you take your, your ass whipping, you shake hand. And then you became friends. Actually, the dude, like, I gave him a big knot in his forehead. We became good, like, best friends. So that's how it works usually. You know, you, you you fight, you fight it out, you get the anger out, and then that's it. That's never talked about again. So after like a few months in this school, were you friends because you had been fighting with? Yeah, yeah, I had I had a lot of friends like like who liked me because I was American mm-hmm. and from New York. Then I had a lot of people who didn't like me because I wasn't the real black. Mm-hmm. But you know, I came from a gang background and I was always fighting. So if someone like I, I remember, I remember the. The prefects. So, like, in in the school, 
if someone's in a higher grade than you, they can tell you what to do. It's the craziest thing. Like they would say, hey boy, come clean my classroom. I'd be like, you're out of your mind. I'm not cleaning your classroom. I would get hit. Mm-hmm. And after a while, you can't really... So, so the, the reason this system works is that you can't win in this system. It's impossible. Let's say a teacher says, hey, put a, a math problem on the board and you put the wrong problem on the board, you're going to get hit, mm-hmm. right? Now you can say, no, you're not going to hit me. Then the teacher's going to say, I'm not going to hit you. Okay. Eric, John, hold him. And Eric John is like your best friends. You know what they're going to do? They're going to hold you because they don't want to get hit. So they're going to hold you so that you can get hit. And that's how it works. So eventually you can't fight anymore. Okay, you can fight the people who are trying to bully you outside of school. But in school, there's no chance it, it, because it, it, there, there's no way you can win. It, it's no way because everybody will just, they'll, they'll just tell everybody to hold you. And that's it, and you're gonna get hit. So I used to get, I used to get lines in my legs. I used to get hit all the time. And then there were some teachers who felt bad for me, like like my my English teacher, my French teacher, and they weren't so hard on me. My math teacher hated me. And the math teacher was really scary, man. He was this big African dude, light in complexion, and he had like this crazy bald head with like this crazy scar, as if, as if someone poured like oil on his head. That's what mm-hmm. it looked like. It burned all over his head. And this dude came in with like a stick. So each teacher comes in with a different kind of stick, depending on what they like. Some come in with the really thin ones that when he hits you, it doesn't, it hurts, but that one's going to leave the marks because it's very thin. Someone come in with like thick sticks. Like this teacher came with a big, thick one like this. You get hit with that, you know you got hit. And I hated this dude, man. He hated me. He would always, always pick on me to go put the question, the answer to the math question because he knew that I wouldn't knew it mm-hmm. so I could get hit. Because a lot of times it was all about breaking the American. You know, we got to break this horse. He's like, Were you the only horse. American in this school? Yeah, in this school, yeah. And, and we have to break him because the part I didn't tell you about, the first time I got to the school, the first day, host family was talking to some of the staff members. I think they were signing me up. And I was just in the compound, just kind of like hanging out. A guy walks up to me, hits me in the head with a stick and says something in the language. And I was like, what the hell? And I started like swinging on him and like trying to kick him. The people ran out and it was like, what's going on? I said, just fucking try to hit me in the head and stick. So it was the principal of the school. Oh my gosh. So that made life in school for me even worse because the principal of the school is like God and you don't even look at him. In the eyes, you look down, you, you know, and, and yeah, and here I am trying to beat up the principal. So every, everybody was like, who's this guy? And like, oh, this American guy. Oh, American? Okay. So, so they, 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 they considered me like a wild horse and they were going to break this wild horse. And, that, and that's why school was rough, man. Like everybody, everybody who had power, like let me know that this is our country and this is how we do it. You're not going to have a choice. And that was year one. Year two, did you yeah, start two. to get better or? No, <laughs> it was, I mean, I had more friends by year two, but it didn't get better. I got better. So I started to be more respectful, kind of comply. So they did break you. Yeah, they did. No, there was no way not, there was no way to not get broken. Right. It's impossible. Or you get hit. Now, unless you like 
limitless amounts of pain, then yeah, but I, I didn't like to be here. So but by the time you came <clears> back, like, did you, did you all, did, first off, did you go to school when you came back? Did you go, yeah. Or did you finish high school in Nigeria? No, I, I went, I came back. And like, did your old friends, were they like, wow, what the hell happened yeah, to you? They, they were laughing at me because I had an accent. Oh, really? Yeah, I was like, throw me the ball, throw me the ball. And they would laugh at me. Yeah, I had this crazy accent, but I was much stronger. Right. I was fighting. And also when I was there, I joined a couple of things. I joined like, first I joined Boy Scouts. And the Boy Scouts in Africa are very different than the Boy Scouts in America. Then I joined a thing called Man of War. And Man of War is this crazy, it, it's like Boy Scouts times 100. Right. You even wear like this military outfit with a beret. It was crazy. And they make you do dumb things like... uh. They, they would call it falling like a leg of a tree, right? So you would have to stand straight up. You would have to hold your hands in so that your forearms were showing and you would just fall straight. You stand straight up and just fall straight down to the ground onto your forearm. Did anyone break their arms doing that? I just didn't want to break it. But it, it, in the beginning, it was scary. If you didn't do it, you got hit. Yeah. So you How would you do it, though? Like, I can't even imagine doing just that. Just stand straight up and you fall. I almost don't think I can get my, let myself fall. Like yeah. I would turn to the side a little bit. Oh, you'll let yourself fall. Like once you get hit, once you don't, because the thing was, everything, there was no choices. I mean, you could hurt your head. Yeah, I mean, let's say you, your, your, your forearm or your top body is weak and you hit your face into the floor. But if you didn't do it, you were going to get whipped. So there was no, you, had, you just had to do it. And so I remember my forearms were all swollen. You know, but after a while, after a while, you get used to it. So when I came back, I was much stronger, and and I thought I, you know, and I was ready to protect my mom. So that was one of the things that you know, I came back much stronger. I wasn't afraid of my stepfather anymore at all, like zero. And yeah. how did he react to you when you came back? He didn't, he didn't care. He never cared. He, 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 it wasn't even like he was happy to see me at all. Anyway, so my mom was very happy. Mom was very happy, but you know, for him, because now he had another son. He had a son from, from my mom, my stepbrother, and that was like the, the golden child, right? right? And um, yeah, he, he, he definitely didn't care. But uh, that's, that's where the craziness came after. Oh, so what happened then? So there was a day I was at home and my stepfather was grabbing my mother by the throat. I don't know, they had some argument earlier and it went over. Like when they would argue, it would start like in the morning, go into the evening. It was just crazy. They were in the kitchen, and then he just grabbed her by the throat. He's going to hit her, and I looked back, and I didn't say anything. I just looked. I didn't even say, I didn't get up. I didn't say anything. I just looked. And then when I looked, he told me, he goes, oh, if you look over here again, you're going to get the same exact thing. And then I just lost it. Like, all the years of abuse, just lost it. I ran out the house. Because this time, there were no guns in my house. They were all at my friend's house. So I ran out the house, went back. I don't even remember running out of the house. I don't even remember coming back with the gun. The only part I remember is when I put the gun to his face. And then I ran out the house. I came, got a gun from the friend's house, came back, put the gun to his face, and I was going to shoot him. And I remember I was shaking, I was crying, and, and my mom called the police. You know, she was like, stop, son. She called the police, and she said, oh, you guys need to hurry. If you don't, if, if uh, my son's trying to kill my husband. That's what she said. She didn't say my, my husband was beating shot and choking me. She said, my son's trying to kill my husband. And I just fucking lost it. Like, I started crying. I started having this, this like, crazy feeling of, like, betrayal. Because, you know, all your life as a kid, you want to protect your mom. 
right? Every kid wants to protect his mom. And when you see your mom get beat up, punched in the face, choked, kicked, you know, you want to protect your mom, but you can't. Now I finally could. And then my mom just turned. So it, it was almost like all the insides of me was ripped out and I was just a shell. I almost shot my mom and my stepfather. Like it was so close. It was really, really, really close because I was just crying and I was shaking and I knew the police were coming. Like I have a good, I call it the background mind. So like when you're in a situation, I still have something. So some people get in a situation, they have nothing. And so only they can think about is the scenario that they're in. I get in a situation. There's always another part of me that's thinking about something else. So as I'm, as I'm like, you know, crying and shaking and, and I want to shoot my mom and him, I want to end both of them. Something says, hey, if you do this, you do this right now, everything your stepfather said about you is going to happen today. Mm. Everything, right? And in the same part- What was it? Well, your stepfather, the guns in his base, your mom's- Oh man, he, 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 was trying, he was trying to go through the, we had this door. I told him out a window with glass. He's trying to go through the glass. So he he was, couldn't go anywhere because I was right in front of him. There was no way to run. Was he saying anything to you? He was, he, he was like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. He, he was scared to death because I never, I never confronted him ever. Like, I never even, I was scared to even show him that I was angry because what would happen was is they would argue, they would fight. After I would hug my mom, she'd be bleeding. And then they would go and have sex and I'd be in trouble. Yeah. I didn't cause this. Why, why am I in trouble? I'd be punished. Seriously. I'd be punished. And that was a way for him to keep control over me. So I would be punished all the time for nothing. They would have to fight. I would hug my mom because that's what you're supposed to do when your mom's crying and bloody. You hug her. And then I would get punished after they made up. So my mom would turn against me. He would turn against me. And I was the bad one. But I didn't cause this nonsense. Right? But that was the way to keep control of him over me so that I wouldn't try to help my mom. Like all this stuff I figured out like years later of why he was doing it. Like we never had, none of my family came to my house. None of them. My grandmother, never. My uncle, never. They never came in my house, ever, ever. How's that possible? My mom has five brothers, five. They never stepped foot in my house. None of them ever said to your stepdad, hey, don't touch her. They would come. This is what would happen. My mom would call them. They would come, but then my mom wouldn't let them in. Mm. So they got fed up. Every time they come, then my mom would not let them in. And so they've never been in my house. And then I didn't realize this until like actually very, very recently because of Clubhouse, because of the app, because I started learning about what narcissism is and, and, and how what a narcissist does. One of the things that they do is they they, they keep you away from your family. So my stepfather was keeping my mom's family away from her, right? So that he could do whatever he wanted to. That's why I never, my uncles never came. If I went to see my uncles, I would go to their house, but they never came. So, so in this situation, the police were on their way. So, right. So the Your other side- crying. Yeah. So the other side of me was like, you need to get out of this house, right? So, so I, I just- I just said, you know what? You two deserve each other and I hope you die together. And I just left. Never went back again. You never went back to that nope, house again? Nope, 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 nope. Gone. Left, left, left. Where'd you go? And you know, my friends. Uh -huh. Stay at a friend's house, you know, for a couple of times. You know, I lived, you know, I lived in Street, 
Like we just broke night every day, meaning like we just fucking hung out like crackheads. And we just up every night doing dumb stuff. Like and where then, would you sleep though? Up maybe like on a train or either friend, if like we had a friend's house, you know, if we had a basement or something like this, you know, that's what I do. And I did that for like almost a year, just like hanging out, hanging out on the street. Did your mom ever reach out and say, hey, Wally, come Because she couldn't back. find me. Mm-hmm. I would, no, no way. What in school I, she could find you? I got, I, 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 I like, I, I like really stopped, I stopped going for like a year. And then I got stopped by police one time though. But they couldn't prove shit. If my mom said I had a gun, I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, I said it was a plastic gun, it wasn't even real. And the guy was like, where is it? I said, I don't like to throw it away. But they could, they, they had nothing on me. And, yeah. And, and yeah, so I just, I just stopped talking to them, stopped talking to her. And that was it. And then I started. Just... So you never heard though she wanted to reach out to you and no, patch I, things no, up? No, or... no, no, no. Have you I, talked? I, I didn't talk to my mom for years, like many years. Actually, I didn't. I didn't talk to her for years. And then, like you know, after I did all my table tennis stuff and became really successful, I tried to talk to her, but I couldn't because she wouldn't acknowledge. No, all you gotta do is just say sorry. I'm. I'm really. I'm, I'm the most easy person. We we could have the craziest, craziest fight, angry. If you say, yo, my my bad, I'm good. It's like almost it didn't exist. That's my character. She wouldn't even like acknowledge. And then every time I spoke to her, it just made me really intensely angry because I'm thinking, my thought pattern is that imagine if the cops would have came. Imagine if I didn't get out of there. Yeah. I already got a break. And I went to Africa and I came back and I'm doing some dumb shit again. I've probably been in jail for like 20 years or whatever. So you were willing to put your son in jail for a guy who's been beating you all your life, all the time that we've been with this dude. You're willing to put your son in jail over him. So every time I think about that, it makes me really so angry. And when I talked to her, when I was talking on the phone and she wouldn't apologize for that, it made me really, really, and it started to make it, it started to just give me dark thoughts. And, and then I was like, I, I can't do this. So then I stopped talking to her. Or she could have even just been honest with you and say, look, I didn't want you to kill him because you still would have gone to jail. Would have right, right. At least, at least say something. But, but, but to not like acknowledge anything and not, it used to make me really, really Did crazy. she stay with him? Yes. Yes. She, it, 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 it's madness. Like, she stayed with him till he passed. And the only reason I knew he passed was because like, I just cut, I, I cut every, I cut all my family off. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I, I didn't want to talk to anybody. So I cut everyone off. And people find you through Facebook or whatever. And, and um, social media. And one of my uncles contacted me and I started talking to him a little bit. And he found out that my stepfather died. Mm. It was like maybe six years ago about. That's like kind of right before I met you. Yeah, yeah, maybe right before me. Yeah, yeah. So he found out that I don't know how he found out, but he he knew that he died. And he was very happy for it. He made it known. Because that was that was my mom's youngest brother. And that was the one that she would always call. And he would always come with a bat. What about your younger stepbrother, like the, the golden child? He died uh very recently too. Oh really? He died uh I think it was either during the pandemic. Or right before the pandemic, a heart, heart attack. Really, a heart attack. Yeah, but I, but my, so 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 my stepbrother lived a crazy life, up until, up until he died. Like I changed, I found a sport, changed my life. 
stepbrother on the other hand. Like what was the craziest thing about his life? Oh man, he, he was like a pimp, like a real pimp. Like how old is he? Oh man, my stepbrother's gotta be, he's gotta be like late 30s. And and he he was a pimp, like a real pimp. Like, like a real pimp. And uh uh he was definitely living that real gangster life. Because when I was doing my thing, uh, he was also part of, of the gang as well. Yeah. Um, but he was younger. Yeah, but he never changed. And so I don't know. And then also, I, I don't know why he died because when, when he passed, how did I find out? I'm trying to remember how I found out he passed. Um, that's how my other friend contacted my other friend contacted me on Instagram and was like, yo, Victor passed. Um, maybe you should call his wife. And I don't know his family. Like I've never met his wife. So it was one of the most hard things to do. Like, what do you say? Like, I, I don't know them. I, I didn't even know, I didn't even know what to say. And, I was, and so I, I just called and said, hey, uh, Victor's brother, uh, sorry to hear that this happened. And I'm going to have the family call you. And then I had to like reach out to all the family that I don't talk to and have them call her, which they freaking never did because I called her back and she didn't call. So I had to reach out again and say, hey. And then, then yeah. It was, and yeah. what was she like? I mean, her husband was a pimp. <laughs> she, I don't know. I don't know because I don't know her. Like I, I never met her. Is is maybe maybe the second time I spoke to her in a period of- But was she nice or? Yeah, yeah, she, she was nice. Because I just started talking, I just started talking to her in the last two years before he passed. Like once in a while, yeah. like I spoke, I think I spoke to my brother in two years, I spoke to him maybe five times. Mm -hmm. And then I would say hello to her, but I don't know her, I never met her. And so just to have to call her and, you know, offer condolences, it was really strange. I didn't know what to say. And, um, and plus my mom was living there also. And so now it became this thing where my, the guy, my friend was like, hey, maybe you have to go pick up your mom. I was like, that shit's not gonna happen, bro. I was like, like I went to a conversation with him. I was like, that's that's not that's that's what's not gonna happen. And why do you think your little brother had a heart attack so young in his thirties? I think bad, bad, bad uh, uh, health. My little bro's huge. Uh, he's huge. Like, he's a big, 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 uh, big, big guy. Huge, and you know, no, no exercise oily foods, like just really bad, bad health. Like nobody expected it. By, by the way, I was thinking about that. This is like another topic, but you you don't really eat a lot. No. Yeah, I don't eat much. I don't eat much. Like what, like, and again, this is off topic a little bit, but I've been thinking about it. Like, what is your daily diet? Like, what do you think about? Like, I can go the whole day without eating, actually. Mm -hmm. The entire day. Like a lot of times- You have a lot of energy. Yeah, like 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 when we were going to, with, you know, we're doing the, the tournament stuff. Like I wake up, I don't eat. I actually don't eat breakfast. Like today I did, and all I had was like uh, two slices of, of wheat toast and two small waffles, and that was it. But I can go the whole day without eating, like the whole day. And then at night, I'll eat something. That's probably healthier. I don't know, maybe. But my, my, I remember when I was in sports, my mom used to always complain. Say, oh, you're an athlete, you need to eat. Actually, yeah, I've been doing this since I was a kid. Yeah, for competition, like, let's say you have a big ping pong tournament the next day. Do you I think won't about eat. food? No, I, I, I can't eat before a competition. Because that day or the day before? A day before I will. Like like day before, 
uh, if let's say I have a big conversation all day, then I'm gonna have my pasta. I'm a big fan of like eating pasta with meat sauce. I'll eat that because I know that'll give me energy, but I won't eat anything that whole day. I maybe have like a granola bar, just something that's not going, but I won't eat food. I won't have breakfast. Like if you have a 2 p.m. match, for instance, yeah. you wake up at 9 a.m., you won't eat between no, 9 no, and 2. No, 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 no. Coffee, tea? Uh, tea, tea, tea. I drink tea every day. Like, I drink tea a lot. That, but but like you're, you're probably, uh, you know, already acclimated to it. It probably doesn't do anything for you other than quench your thirst. Yeah. It doesn't give you extra energy. Well, it gives me, it, it, black tea is like my wake-up thing. It'll wake me up. And then before the, the match, so let's say the match is at noon or two, we do anything at like one thirty, no, like no, just no. gum or maybe maybe if I have like a granola bar or something. Yeah, maybe. But I, I don't like to eat before I play sports because it, it makes, like it makes me tired. Yeah, okay, because you're digesting sluggish. it. Yeah, like I your feel, body's digesting it. I feel sluggish, so I never eat. So, so that's where that came from. I, I think that's why I do that because I've always played sports all my life. So and I never eat in the morning. So I'll go the whole day and don't eat. And uh, I'm good. I don't feel hungry. And if I'm hungry, I'll have like something, granola bar or something like that. Not a bag of potato chips or anything? Oh, no. I actually yeah. don't like potato chips so much. This one's part one. Stay tuned for part two. Great stories all throughout. I hope you enjoy. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 